Hey there, friends. How's it going? My name is Kyle Devlin, and I am the host of this podcast. This is the Having a Blast podcast. Having a Blast is a pop punk and emo podcast where we'll be doing a deep dive on important albums and bands. We'll also be speaking with band members, producers, and friends. If you happen to like what you hear, if you could do me a huge favor, perhaps give us a five-star review. That just really helps get the algorithms working in our favor, and then more people can hear the podcast. Or Another thing that really helps us out is if you share it with a friend. If you've got a friend that enjoys this type of music, pop punk and indie, I'd greatly appreciate it. All right, without further ado, let's get into it. friends. Welcome to the show. I hope you all are doing lovely out there. On today's episode, I'm excited because I had the opportunity to speak with Frank Sukalis from the Chicago band Much the Same. Frank is the bassist and co-songwriter for Much the Same, and he's also the singer of the band Burn Rebuild. Frank and I have a lot in common. We both grew up on Fat Wreck and Epitaph. We both have bands that were heavily influenced and inspired by those types of bands, and it's reflected in the music of our bands, really. I also wanted to have Frank on because his social media presence always makes me laugh and it's always entertaining. I really enjoy his posts. I knew that Frank, like me, enjoys exercising and lifting weights, so I knew we would probably discuss that and get into that, which we do. We talk about diet and nutrition as well. I also really wanted to know what compelled Much the Same to put out a new full length over 13 years after the previous record. It's a fantastic record called Everything is Fine, and it was one of my favorite records of 2019. So we get into that and we discuss the making of that record. This conversation is a lot of fun. We talk about a lot. I had a blast speaking with Frank. I think you'll enjoy our convo. So without further ado, please enjoy this multiple topic conversation with Mr. Frank Sukalis from the band Much the Same and Burn Rebuild. You said you're scared you won't see me in that button. <laughs> uh, I accepted the fact that it's recording, so it's official. No, I was going to say, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. I only use the audio. No, it's all good. So I'm going to apologize ahead of time for the possibility that this may get loud. Because <laughs> uh, she, like I'm on a first floor apartment, so she just looks out the fucking window and like she hates other dogs. So if another dog comes by, like it gets ridiculous. It's it's embarrassing. Yeah. Um, and my old man is sleeping in the next room and she decides to bug him sometimes. So if you just hear me like, hi. Like fucking running and just totally uh, fine. Cool. Yeah, we're gonna go for it. It's, it's all good. We actually just got a new puppy in this household, so we're learning new things yeah. all the time. <laughs> like true puppy? Yeah, twelve weeks old. Yeah, yeah. what kind of? Do- it's a cavapoo. What's a cavapoo? It's a King Charles Cavalier cocker spaniel mixed with a poodle, so it's small oh, and right like hypoallergenic. Then yes, which is super important. <laughs> yeah. For me, anyways. Yeah. What's your yeah. dog's name? Uh, this is Bodie. She is a girl, even though I gave her a boy's name. But uh, are we recording, by the way? We are. Yeah. It's all good. Oh, this is like the podcast. This has got to go. This is the podcast. Right. Yeah. This is it. Right on. Let's start off very conversationally. Um, I, I dig it. Yeah. No, this is Bodie. She's like a pit bull mix. I think she's about two. Okay. I got her in February. She was a stray, so I got her from like the animal control, and we've had a fun journey together thus far. Cute. She got mo- right before I got her. So like taking care of her was like mega crazy for that month. Eight vet trips in two weeks. Oh, okay. but we're cool. She's good. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> kiss Give me, I guess. Kiss. Nice. Love you too. But then I got a 15 year old Chihuahua too that I've had for like 10 years. And he just, he just fucking sleeps all day. That's, that's nice. all he point and pee on my stuff. But I'm not, <laughs> I'm, he's 15. I'm sure I'll be pissing myself when I'm as old as him. So. <laughs> Yeah, there comes a time in a dog's life where that's the majority of what they do, right? Sleeping. Pretty much. Thanks. Yeah. Well, cool. How are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing very well. It's hotter than hell where I am, so I may have to turn air in a minute. I just was keeping it off because it would be too loud, but I'm doing good. Uh, I'm a pretty boring person these days. I'm I'm much a, uh, like, work and, like, come home and watch TV and, yeah, it's nice. And yeah, boring. I was going to say, that's awesome, man. I'm pretty boring too. So I'm right there with you. I think, yeah. again, 
kind of speaking about the dog, I mean, it's the same thing in our lives too. We reach a place where boring is good, you know? Yeah, no, totally. I'm good with that. No, for sure. I'm very, very well. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, I'm great. The today's been like a whirlwind day. I don't normally do interviews on work days, but I mean, it's been known to happen, you know, and thank you for being flexible with me. I appreciate it. But yeah, today I'm a personal trainer by trade and I work a long day on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Those are my long days. So I trained 10 people today. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. I was actually really looking forward to doing this because I know you're a personal trainer. I like to stay active and fit and so on and so forth. Know that you talked to Johnny Hamlin, who also says hello. I was uh, talking to him and I said I was going to be speaking with you. And he says, you're great. And he said hello. And I feel like I follow Johnny in the wake of the podcast that he does because he did one called the Pop Punk Pizza Podcast. And like Mm -hmm. then I did that right after. So you just had him not that long ago. So here I am now just trying to be be more Johnny-like. Yeah. Do all the podcasts he's doing. (laughs) Dude, he's great. And I just love his band. I love your band as well. That's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, as well as the fact that I knew just through following you that you are active and you go to the gym and you lift and stuff. So that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on. I also like the fact that you're a big fan of Swedish fish. I think I've seen you mention Swedish fish a couple of times via social media. Yeah. And I feel like that's such a, I don't know, maybe that's a lifters candy because it's just pure carbs, (laughs) you know, like gelatin and carbs. I'm not a big, you know what, for me, I think it's, (laughs) that's a very interesting point though. I'm not a big like chocolate guy when it comes to sweets. I really am. I'm blessed and cursed that I don't have a sweet tooth because I tend to go all in on the things I like. So I'd probably be a diabetic tub of goo if I did like, (laughs) but I've never been a chocolate guy. So everything I've gravitated towards is always like in that candy fruit realm. Like I would have like a fruited piece of cheesecake, you know, than like a a chocolate brownie if I have to, you know, eat dessert. But it sucks because I see how excited people get for dessert. And I'm just kind of like, all right, that's rad. I would, I'll have more of my entree. I'll I'll do another one of those. (laughs) Um, Yeah, for sure. You prioritize, right? And then I think totally. that's something that happens as we get older too. We tend to double down on the things that we really get excited about. So Swedish yeah. fish, yeah, it's a good thing to get excited about. And I remember, I don't know if you're a fan of Tim Ferriss. I mentioned him a lot on this podcast, but he, I think it was probably a couple months ago, he posted a picture and it was just a big handful of Swedish fish and he needed to carb load that day. So he was using Swedish fish as a way to do it. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. I'm very like, clean on my eating days or on my workout days, I should say like I I eat clean and like, yeah, I am all like I've turned into that. I don't food prep and stuff as much as I used to. Like, so I like hit my thirties and decided I wanted to be into shape and like, just like feel better because you're 30. Yeah. So I hired a nutritionist who's my friend, who's just a beast of a man. Like I was working out and I felt like I just like looked like a pro wrestler, like where they have like the outside abs and just kind of the poofy. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, this isn't what I'm going for. Uh, and yeah, he like introduced me to like clean eating and nutrition and cool things like whole foods. And um, yeah, he, he his, his company is called Precision Fitness Solutions. So if anybody's oh, in cool. Chicago yeah, looking to do that kind of stuff, he's really great at it. But he changed my world about that. And like, you realize that, wow, if I don't eat like shit all the time, I don't feel like shit. <laughs> and uh, just uh, my diet has evolved, though. I tend now to, like I said, I eat clean on my lift days, but I do, I'm less strict. Like, man's got to live and I, I need my treats, you know, um, so trying to give myself permission to have those meals like more often and just say, fuck it. Like, I'm not trying to impress anybody these days. I'm trying to be be functional. Like you said, you turned 30 and you wanted to start lifting then, because I think when you hit 30, you have this epiphany where you're thinking I'm still young, but I don't feel super young right now. So Mm -hmm. I want to feel as young as I think I still am, which you are young in your thirties still, especially if the goal is to live to a hundred. I mean, you haven't even hit the halfway mark yet. And I think that perception change happens when you turn 30. So I had something similar happen. And then I just tripled down and became a personal trainer, literally when I was 29, 30, that transitional period. But I was going to say, it's good that you're being flexible with your food. Cause I think anything that's sustainable, it has to have some level of flexibility to it. Like you said, you got to be strategic with those treats and get some Swedish fish. Occasionally on a Sunday evening, you're watching a movie. This is how we do it for the long term. You know, you create a lifestyle with it. Absolutely. And I think that more people are apt to fail if they don't give themselves that permission and your self-esteem is going to drop and you're just going to be bitter and pissed off, you know, allow yourself those niceties a couple of times a week. Like I said, I'm not trying to go pro. Like I'm not trying to do some body lifting show or whatever. Like I'm trying to 
I'm a server. I've worked in the restaurant industry my whole life. I'm on my feet all day. So I want like strong hamstrings and a good back, you know, to be fucking functional so I don't die at my job. That's the goal these days. And for me, it's the very also, um, it took me a while to get to this point with lifting, but it's amazingly cathartic. I zone out when I'm there. I've never been like, I fucking love working out. I like lifting this heavy shit. It's like, no, I kind of go because I get in the zone of like, I'm going to pick this thing up and I'm going to focus on lifting it very deliberately and in a very specific manner. And at that time, I don't think about my job. I don't think about my bills. I don't think about shit that's bothering me other than that and the record that I'm listening to. And I like to, I very specifically like to work out alone too for that purpose. Like it's, that's Frank time. Yeah. Um, and it's just so happens that in the end, you know, benefit your body and you might look nice. Depending. Yeah. yeah. I know bods are like coming back big. So <laughs> They are. I'm going to rail against that until I die, I think. But yeah, you're right. It can be you time. It forces you to be present. That's the thing I love about lifting. It forces you to be in the present moment, especially if you're trying to do it correctly in, in a competent way. That's the thing that I always enjoyed about learning to lift was it felt like a skill. It was like learning how to play guitar you practice and it is incredibly cathartic and there's a ton of mental health benefits associated with it. And I'm kind of like you, I like lifting alone. I enjoy lifting alone. I've had workout partners in the past and I always tend to gravitate back to working out alone. And like you said, that's a moment where I can try to discover new bands and new records that I haven't really checked out. Yeah. A hundred percent. I found myself listening to the same old shit a lot, like some jaded old punk dude, but I get get overly stoked though when I find a band I I really like because it doesn't happen that often for me. And that's no disrespect to the bands out there that are up and coming and working hard. But like Jevin sent me, I was talking to him, he sent me some band today called Deal. And I've never Mm -hmm. heard of, I don't know if you know who this is. I haven't, Um, no. I highly recommend it. It's good old fucking pop punk. Sounds like Blinkin' Sum 41. And I was like, this is catchy as shit. So like, you know, it's always fun to discover new bands. And that's a good time for me in the gym. I'm the type of person that when I like a record, I just beat it to death. I drive everyone around me insane with repeating the same goddamn songs, the mm-hmm. same fucking records. I don't know. That's just how I roll with music. So yeah. That's good, man. I think we were raised that way. Well, you bought a CD based on the cover art because it looks cool. And you heard maybe a snippet of a song on a compilation that one time in your buddy's car or something. And then you bought the record. And even if you didn't love it at first, if you kept it in your CD player, you might just learn to love it. And then all of a sudden it becomes one of your favorite records of all time. And you continuously go back to it. And I think that's something that I've even been guilty of in the streaming age because I tend to have musical ADD bounce around. Yeah. Lifting sessions, I've been trying to do more records in full. Yeah, that. that's typically how I roll with it. And I actually have learned to even like the more like instrumental, like, you know, I know like everybody that I know listens to like extremely heavy music when they lift, but I've even gotten into listening to like the explosions in the sky, instrumental type shit. Cause I'm just like fucking, I don't know. Like I've gotten very hippy dippy over the last couple of years. Like I'm all about meditation. And like you said, like with lifting, like there's a presence there. And I feel like in meditation and therapy and whatever mental health activity you're partaking in, presence is a central theme you're not going to get away from. It's literally mm-hmm. like the focal point. And listening to some podcasts where old people were talking about like, what is one of the things that, you know, will help you be happy in this life? Presence. Yeah, absolutely. There was a period of time where I was having these debilitating panic attacks and I was reading a book. I can't remember what book it was, but somebody described anxiety in a very succinct way that I thought was great. But they said it's essentially having one foot in the past and one foot in the future. And a quick, easy tactic for trying to eliminate that panic and cut it off at the knees is to just center yourself in the present moment, remind yourself where you're at. And then you're not necessarily obsessing over what you don't want to have happen again in the future, right? You're not just... Of course. You're not going through that cycle in your head. And I thought that was a good way to put it. I think that my true struggle with it is like in listening to like a lot of like guided meditation stuff is what's the balance between presence and just like ignoring your shit. Mm-hmm. I, I find that to be like, well, how aloof am I supposed to be? I'm supposed to be like, ah, <laughs> like, nah, fuck it. Like whatever's right now is right now. I, I don't know if that sounds stupid or not. No, not at all. But like, I find that hard now to figure out like that balance between like, nah, man, you need to think about the shit you need to do and the stuff that's been bothering you before. You can't just like, nope, I'm here now. Ted Lasso's on. Fuck it. Like, <laughs> You know, that's that's something I'm, I'm trying to find, like, the border with. But this is uh, sure. a very, gr- for, uh, like, a pop-punk podcast, this is, like, the deepest conversation I think I have Good. had. Good. 
That's exactly yeah. what I'm going for here, Frank. This is what I want. I want to get deep into the mindfulness and meditation and your routines and everything. I love that stuff. And it just so happens that I happen to at one point have been in a pop punk band. So that's I'm aware that's of this, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, even these days playing guitar, I don't know if you feel this way. You're a ripper as a bass player. I just got to get that out of the way. I was listening to your record again on the way home from work today, and I've listened to it several times, but man, just the bass. You're very good at what you do, and I really enjoy all your bass lines. But playing an instrument, even that forces me to be present these days. I used to just enjoy playing guitar because I was trying to write a song, or I was trying to write a cool riff, or come up with a harmony or something. And these days, when I pick up the guitar, oh, no, this is actually so that I can forcefully sit down and not focus on anything else other than playing this thing in my hands. And it doesn't mean I have to do anything with it. I don't have to try to write a song. I can literally just play something that's fun to play for the sake of playing. So it's interesting how that tends to happen later in life. We discover those things and then things come full circle. And then you discover maybe why you liked them in the first place or another avenue in which you liked them in the first place. I 100% agree. First of all, I want to say thank you very much for your very sweet compliment. I appreciate that. And I, um, I'm actually like trying to get better now. It's funny you sit down. Like, I mean, like that's what gives me personal satisfaction. I found now improving. I felt like I plateaued for a few years. And then like right before we put out the last record, I don't know, maybe a couple of years before, like we, we were writing some of those songs and I just like started running my scales. I'm just like, I'm just going to work around. And like, I'm like, I've, I'm at a level. I'm like, I want to do better. And mm-hmm. I, not trying to be arrogant. I think I got there a little bit. Like I felt like I did things I didn't do before. And like now that's, what's giving me joy because also like every time I do pick up an instrument, I feel this immense pressure to write something. Mm -hmm. I have to sit there and I got to write a fucking song and that's what I got to do. And I don't take the time that much anymore to just learn a song I like and do that thing. Like, but I mean, what I'm trying to get better at right now is just my improv. A lot of the stuff I make up is like, it's thought out. I can figure it out fast. That's one skill I've attained, but I've never been like, when like DJ together, like, hey man, I just want to get to go like jam. No, I don't do that. I can't. <laughs> like yeah. that fucking, but now that's what I'm actually, I worked on that yesterday. I just sat down, I plugged in, I put on like this like total funk backing track. It was just like, let's practice our pentatonic improvisation, you know? And I had a blast doing that. So Every time I make progress, I feel good because I think that's going to then lead to a better understanding of music, hopefully to a better song, you know? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, too, just like my favorite songs aren't even the rippers. I'm all about like three, four chords and like good melodies. And Mm -hmm. that's I find myself listening to that more than anything these days is the music I used to dub like, ah, you know, we can't do that. That's too simple. I'm like, but these are all my favorite songs. It's okay to just fucking play some power chords and sing. So yeah, Jim Adkins from Jimmy World. I've really enjoyed his podcast. I wish he was still doing it, but he said a few times that they're really simple songs, the really simple Jimmy songs, the middle and stuff. There's been times where they'll demo it out and it'll be really simple. And then they'll start to mess with it. You know what I mean? They start to jack around with it and they try to add parts and they try to make it more convoluted and complicated than it is. And then they'll have this moment where they're thinking, well, the song just is what it is. That's what it wants to be. They said the same thing for the middle. The middle was so stupid, simple, but at the same time, it was perfect for what it was that period of time. And they just didn't mess with it. They left it alone and it became their biggest song, which is kind of crazy. But I think there's something to be said about it's difficult sometimes to write a really simple, catchy song. You listen to Dookie and Dookie is my favorite record of all time, but the simplicity of that record, it's a really simple record. Oh, uh, think about it. And just the true three piece. And then they didn't overcomplicate it at all. I battle myself with that all the time because I, I pers- like I have this thing in my head where it's like, well, it's got to be a little complex to be like rad, right? Mm-hmm. Especially with writing for much the same with my other member we build, I don't prescribe to that too much. But with much the same I do, I'm like, well, like how can we like make this a little more interesting dynamic and these like mutes and these stops and like a little riff here and the, the ear candy, I guess. Yeah. And I always think that like when I do write three, four chords, it's already just got to be somebody else's. Like mm-hmm. nine out of 10 when I'm sending a band member a demo with like voice, like, you know, blah, 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 melody or something. I'm just yeah. like, you're scatting. Uh, my first question is, I, my first questions are like, is it good? And is this something like, what is it? Because it just seems like it's way too simple. Uh, to, <laughs> that to me is like the hardest thing about writing it. And then it's like, okay, cool. I'm not blatantly fucking stealing from somebody right now, <laughs> but those are the best songs. I think I can, 
I have way more Dookie-esque favorite songs than I ever do just like rippers. And I mean, yeah. I love that too, but yeah. And I yeah, love yeah, for sure. So I but, love that you outsource the voice memos too. Is this a thing? I don't even know. Yeah. I've listened to it a hundred times and I'm not sure what it is anymore. I've drifted into a new realm. I don't know what this is. Yeah, that's definitely me too. I have to outsource it at some point and just find out if it's even good or not so that I can move <laughs> on. I was going to say earlier too, going back to, I don't know what the right word would be, deluding yourself. I was just thinking, I'm going back to the meditation. You have every right to meditate, Frank. You can, even if there's stuff you got to tend to behind you. It's like when somebody's running a gigantic company, they should still meditate. They may still have a ton of stuff on the to-do list. You know, everybody's got a to-do list that's never ending. So maybe it's about being present for a moment for a finite amount of time on a regular, consistent basis. And then you can tend to all those things, but that's going back. <laughs> that's circling back to something completely unrelated. Uh, I'm sorry. I want to apologize too, because like I tend, I'm kind of a gabber. So I it's don't know good, if man. an agenda Perfect. or a or if this is just like, you know, we just kind of wrap back and forth here. Um, yeah, yeah, no agenda. I mean, I'm curious okay. about you. I'm curious about your band. Yeah, questions about that. Don't let me just like, you know, blah, blah, blue, 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 uh, <laughs> ruin any questions you had to have. But like to bounce off your point really fast, though, like, I mean, you know, giving yourself permission. Stillness is just as important as movement at the end of the day. I know that like if I don't meditate, if I don't lift, like if I don't have those moments of just like pure presence and shutting all the shit out of my life out, I feel it in everything I do. And, you know, that could like tend to, you know, a, a lashing out at someone that doesn't deserve it, you know, in that moment. And, you know, it's just, so, yeah, no have to sit still. I'm finally, I've, I've taken me almost 40 years to fucking learn that, but Hey, better late than never, I guess. Exactly. Uh, it's never too late. That's right. Self-improvement, self-development. It's a lifelong pursuit for sure. Yeah. And I'm not the one who said it. This isn't my idea, but I always thought meditation was great for creating that space, that emotional space between stimulus and response. I think it's Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. He's the one that said that. The guy that was in the concentration camps and he survived. He said, I think this is true of meditation, just developing some sort of a mindful practice. For whatever reason, I'm sure there's a scientific reason. I'm not sure eloquently what that is exactly gray matter in the brain, new neural pathways, whatever, but it's so easy to become very reactive out in the world. We're just reacting to everything that's happening to us. We get a call from a family member. They're really stressed out. And then we're really stressed out and we're reacting to their call. And then our boss is calling us or emailing us. And we're reacting to that. We're reacting to the bad traffic for whatever reason. And instead of perpetually being in the state where we're just reacting to everything and all the stimulus that's happening to us out in the world, when we're mindful and we do it over time, that practice allows us to get that space, that spatial awareness where something happens and then we can actually contemplate it and think about it for a second before we just immediately snap into reaction mode. To your point about how it infiltrates everything that's going on in your life, that makes perfect sense, right? Because it's very easy as a busy adult in the world that we coexist in to continuously be reacting to all the stimuli that's happening around us. Uh, if I constantly reacted to all the stimuli around me, people would be dead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a... Like I said, I've been in the service industry for like 20 years and like all I do is deal with the public. So there's a lot of stimuli around me, oh, yeah. consistency. Yeah. I uh, did take those moments to stop and contemplate and give my, <laughs> there'd be a lot of broken glass and I wouldn't have a job. And so it's absolutely necessary, especially I work in a very uh, like high volume joint. So I, I, yeah, I need that. Like yeah. when I drive, after work like there's no music sometimes even it's just like yeah no we're gonna go <laughs> quiet here and just let it ride yeah um, that so. makes perfect sense my man those are rituals for you oh 100 do you teach this stuff to your clients as well or is it just a physical aspect of training i think not always but i think as long as i've been involved in the gym world i've known that there's more to it than just the gym and i've had to practice and i've read a lot of stuff regarding mindfulness practices and of course nutrition is a big part of it as you were saying earlier that's two sides of the same coin i think fitness and nutrition especially if you have something very specific that you're going for and mindfulness definitely plays a role. I've got a lot of people that train consistently. Some are entrepreneurial. So they've got companies that they're in charge of, lots of people, lots of moving parts, and they have to incorporate and integrate some of those mindful practices. Otherwise, they're just going to burn out. And then they're no good to themselves or anybody else. And I'm the same way. And then 
they don't come and train with me, which means I don't make a living, which means I'm very sad. So <laughs> it's very important that I, if I can help them adopt some of these mindful practices or at the very least view, like you said, which I like the way you put it, exercise is you time, kind of shut out the world for a second. That's very introspective, frank time. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing to put a boundary around stuff like that because sometimes people, they just do everything for other people and they don't have anything like that in their lives and they can find themselves being very frustrated because they don't. 110%. I feel like... um... So, so I'm, now I'm going to shoot another question at you. So we're going to, this is like that moment in shoot. Staples. We interview you. Um, <laughs> you're from Kansas City, correct? I am, yes. And I'm living in so Lawrence did, right now. Did you play with Jevin's old band, Form follow, Follows Failure. They're from St. Louis. That band name sounds very familiar. And I do believe we played with them. My very first band, I was in a band called Game Time, which I'm always trying not to say that in this podcast. I'm sure people are, are listening like, dude, stop saying which band you're in. We know, we don't care, dude. <laughs> but one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you too is because I feel bad because Game Time and much the same many moons ago played a couple shows together. And I didn't realize this until your singer told me. He reminded me and I felt like a huge dummy because he was, uh, we played shows together, man. Because <laughs> here's the thing, and I kind of like regret this and I'm not like taking this down a dark place, but like anybody that met me on tour and probably at any punk rock show knows that I, I, I'm a boozer, man. And that like, that's like, that's also booze time, you know? <laughs> That is booze time. Shows are, yeah. but like I've, the one regret I have is like how much shit I don't fucking remember from tour. And I don't know if that was one of those moments too, but I was glad like you just said that because I was like, I don't remember this and I feel fucking terrible. <laughs> and I'm surprised Chris remembers. He doesn't fucking remember anything. Dude, he remembered the time period. He remembered where we played. He remembered who else played. And I felt so dumb because I'm a legitimate fan of much the same and have been for years. And I completely forgot. I completely forgot that you guys were on the same bill. And I think it was a situation where we were on our own run through the Midwest and you guys were on a separate run. You guys were touring with Staring Back. Okay. I remember. Do you remember where we play? So we played with you guys in Iowa. In was it in that that sh- that dude Jesse puts on the show? Yes, yes, yeah. I'm blanking on the name of Iowa, Spencer, Iowa. Yeah, that place was insane. It was like I feel like that's one of those uh, towns where like you didn't have to like punk rock to go at that show. That's just what people were gonna fucking do because that's yes. how small that town is. I remember like walking behind a building and it looked like an old western because like nothing was behind it. Uh-huh. Like it's just like a block of streets but uh, buildings. But like you look behind it, it looks seriously like an old west movie or like the way the old west looked. Where it's just like there ain't shit here. Um, yeah. But that dude Jesse put on rat. Did you ever play in his house? I don't think we did actually. No. Yeah. It was just the VFW where he would book shows. Right. So he, he ended up going on to have, we played like two, at least two times, if not once. Yeah, definitely two. He would have shows like in his apartment where he built a half pipe <laughs> and like, yeah, just, he was a rad, rad guy. And um, the thing that I really liked about him too, is he was a super religious dude and I am not. And I had some very, very good talks with him and he wasn't like over, he wasn't pushy about anything. And like, we weren't trying to change each other's minds, but if you're just listening to the other one i have no idea he was on facebook for like a minute a few years ago and then he's just gone i, I have yeah. no idea yeah, yeah i uh, think he, he got off social media i'm pretty sure because it was the same situation with me i followed him for a little bit i think he moved out to la shortly after that around the mid 2000s late 2000s i want to say actually you said he had a half pipe in his apartment i think we did play there once yeah, yeah I, mean, I think i do remember that that was crazy those vfw shows were just insane and you're right those kids had nothing to do so they would just go and they were music fans oh, but no, I, yeah. I think you're right i don't think every single one of them was really all punk rock the way me and my friends were it was just that's For what sure. you did on a saturday night jesse had a show at the vfw so you show up you pay your five bucks Mm-hmm. And we played with you guys and staring back there. Yeah, I loved staring back. That was like, I actually went, this is maybe a month or two ago. I don't know, but I went looking for all, none of the lobster shit I can find on streaming services. I haven't checked Bandcamp actually, but I checked on all and like, I couldn't find shit. And I actually have recently just started BSing with James from over it. And I know you just had Peter on, mm-hmm. but yeah, I've, I've been like BSing with him here and there. And I asked him about that. And he's like, yeah, I have no idea. He's like, maybe Nick knows. But I was I was because I wanted to listen to Park because mm-hmm. I guess I wasn't in a bad enough mood. <laughs> Park, those are just the saddest lyrics of all time. Oh, yeah. But like 
great fucking band. You don't come out of that one feeling good. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, I love Park. But yeah, none of it's on there. And it sucks because like there's some really great bands that were on that label, including Over It, Staring Back Again, Park. Yeah, absolutely, man. That Staring Back record was amazing on. Mm-hmm. I was a huge fan. Do you know what their guitarist is up to now? Nick Long. He's right. Yeah. Gun Kelly. Yeah. Isn't that insane? Yeah. It's nuts. I put two and two together. I followed him, I don't know, maybe six or seven months ago. And then I realized, oh yeah, okay. I heard that that guy, he moved to LA and he was co-writing with a bunch of big artists out there, which is really cool. What a talented band, you know, Ryan Mendez moving on to YC and do you use Spotify? I don't do Spotify. Okay. That's totally fair. I was going to say staring back record and all the park records are on Spotify. Okay. I feel really old and stupid right now. I I use Apple music and I feel like it's, I don't know, it's way too expensive, but I don't know. I am the enemy. I stream everything at this point. Like, I don't know. I understand like bands need money. I'm in a different spot where like, I don't care if anybody seals or fucking does whatever with our music at this point. I'm just happy. Anyone like gives it a chance doing podcasts is something I'm like, I don't even think anybody want to fucking talk to me. I've said that a million times. (laughs) Okay. Like, all right. Yeah. You want to, let's do interviews. Cool. I am People want to talk to you, okay? People want to talk. <laughs> well, talk, still, talk to them. I was like, my band's not huge by any means, but like, I didn't think we'd do some of the things we did, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't think like, I knew I wanted to like do, I always knew I wanted to do a little more than we were doing. Mm-hmm. I didn't think any of it, any of it was going to happen. And a, a fair amount of it did. And, I, and, it, and it's pretty fucking dope. So like, um, yes. that's where it's like, people want to interview you and it's like, but it, 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 I've never gotten used to it, I okay. guess. Um, and not that like I have paparazzi clamoring for me. That's not, but like, it's always been like, oh, you want to talk? All right, cool. Who am I? <laughs> that's what I, always comes to mind. I, um, I love your humility, Frank. I love it. It's great. It's good characteristic, I think. Underrated for I, sure. My favorite moment with any of that though, was we were on tour and we were fortunate enough to go to Europe. And well, this has been a couple of times, but the first time I was like 25 years old and I was delivering pizzas at the time. And it was like one of the last shows and I was sitting there was like somewhere in the Netherlands. And this kid's like, I was just shooting the shit with them. And I was like, man, I don't want to go back to work when I get home. And he's like, what you work. I'm like, yeah. He's like, what do you do? I'm like, I deliver pizzas. And his head fucking exploded. Like, cause like <laughs> guy in the band he likes, he thought, uh, I was like, no, like I'm pretty fucking average. <laughs> just, just, just dude. But um, yeah, it's just, it's always, I, again, I've never gotten used to it. Like I'm, I'm doing a nervous rambling about it as we speak. <laughs> you know? Good man. So. This is good. No, we have a lot in common, Frank. I mean, all of my friends, all of my previous bandmates, they all delivered pizzas. I was actually one of the only ones who didn't. I worked at a sandwich shop, multiple sandwich shops for a while. And that was a humbling experience for sure. But it was a good experience at the same time. And no, you're right. People's perception of Rockstar, especially the fact that you guys were touring internationally, which not everybody does. Not everybody even has that opportunity, even when you're in a band that is noteworthy and does things and puts out great records and gets signed to a record label. I mean, going back to Jimmy, what's interesting about Jimmy is when they got dropped from Capitol, they wanted to go to Europe. And so they created like a greatest hits but it was really all the demos for Bleed American and then some leftover tracks from Clarity and stuff like that. I think that's what it was. And they sold that, they bootlegged that, and that's what funded their trip to Europe. And this is a band that just put out a major label record and should have been poised for stardom and ultimately was. But I think people's perceptions of people in bands, they just don't really understand that. I think it's even still confusing for people in how the music economy works and how music works in general, how being in a band works. Typically, if you're a mid-sized band and you haven't toured in a while, it's probably going to be a fairly expensive proposition just to put out new music, right? Because you're going to be fronting the bill, the initial bill. And not to too obviously segue, but that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on too. I wanted to talk to you about the fact that you guys decided to put out a record in 2019 after not being a band for so long. What prompted that? You put out this awesome record. In my mind, it's right up there with Fat Records, Epitaph, all those fantastic releases that you and I are both a huge fan of. But what prompted that? Because I feel like that was sort of the first of a few iterations of a lot of these artists and bands coming back and putting out music. I think, I mean, it, it, I think what prompted it is, I mean, it never goes away. Your band breaks up. 
I don't know that it, it was be, you know, it's begrudgingly. You don't want it to end. Right. And like it never fucking goes away. And I think one of the first things somebody asks when your band breaks up, well, like, are you still going to play? Well, of course I'm not going to stop playing music. I still love music. So, but mm-hmm. like it never, everything I did after much the same just wasn't there, you know, and it's not the same as playing with those three guys. And I think we all feel that as much as like, and we're pretty cool, you know, I mean, I'd like, I think we could all say like we're friends, Dan, I mean, I'm Dan's kid's godfather, you know, so we're like best friends, but like, I think we're all like tight and like can talk to each other. And like, we do still have some like deep conversations outside of music point I'm getting at is like, we're just us and the four of us like can get together and write. And I think we kind of like, we decided to do that lag wagon cover from double platinum. Uh, We did making friends and like, it was a lot of fun. It was a ton of fun. And it's, it, I was very happy with how it came out. And I'm going to preface with anything that I say about my band is that I think something important about being in a band is being a fan of your band. Mm-hmm. So if I see something, I'm not trying to be arrogant about it. It's just, I like much the same. I wouldn't be in much the same if I didn't like playing in much the same. Sure. So when that came out, I was, I was extremely happy with it. And it was one of those covers that I always wanted to do were like, let's take a slower song and make it faster. Yeah, and, dude, yeah. you made a skate punk song, even more skate punk. Right. <laughs> it's badass, man. It's sick. Um, that yeah, cover I is love, rad. So happy with how it came out. I love not to get too often, but I've always loved cover songs. I'm just like, yeah, let's take the slow 80 song and just punk it up. And it, I, I love those fucking things. But I think that definitely got us going. And Dan and I always have written together for the most part. And I, I think we showed Chris Haunted eons ago. We actually, little known fact, we recorded that with another singer friend of ours who did an amazing job. Dan and I co-wrote the song musically and lyrically. And like we brought it to Chris and we were like, eh, you know, because we were kind of kicking around, maybe we'll do something. And he sang it. We just kind of kept slowly moving into it. And then we got offered Grows Rock. And, you know, because we said we would maybe like start doing like shows and stuff again. I, our motto was just like no pressure. You know what I mean? Like, we'll just do everything we want to fucking do right now. We don't necessarily want to go on tour. We'll play some shows. We'll have fun with this. And we'll just have no pressure. And like that kind of mentality going into it. And I need to remember this, that the no pressure thing is good. Just led to a lot of us like having fun again and playing and like for whatever, you know, I've always made the joke that if you're, you know, if you want your band to do cool shit, just break up and get together like 10 years later and you'll get to do all the stuff. Like we got to go back to Europe. Like Girls Rock. And that was, I think, a big part of showing us like that people still also wanted to listen to our music overseas. Um, and then we just kept writing and writing and writing slowly. I don't want to make it sound like that was like a very, it obviously took a long time. But Dan went on a streak of writing great songs and it was like, okay, let's maybe put out an EP. And then that turned into like, well, here's another song and here's another song. And it turned into what is only a nine song record, but we do joke that it's longer than Let's Talk About Feelings. There you which go. Is, has like 10 or 11 songs on it, but ours yeah. is nine. And that. So people, <laughs> songs. it's like, well, it's still a half hour long. You know, it's an album. Says, nobody says this Metallica record only has four songs. Yes, exactly. But uh, anyway, the point being is like, that's what kind of got it to it. And like, I, like I said, I was going on a little journey of just like personally wanting to be better at bass. So it was like fun to test that, test the waters on that. And, um, the band was really happy about what I was doing. I confessed when I was writing, I was like, again, like we were saying, like, you need to outsource it. Like, is this too much? Like, I tell me if this is good. And they're like, nope, that's fine. Red. And I think like, just uh, to get back to it. And as Dan was writing these songs, they were just so fucking good. In my opinion, he's, um, I think a severely underrated punk rock guitar player. He's not the biggest shredder, but he can play some pretty fucking chords. And his, it's a very organic sounding lead like when he plays it, it doesn't sound unnatural to me. It's like, that's what fits here. Extremely modest about his playing too. And just the songs he was writing were just fucking good. And for me, Everything is Fine is my favorite album. And not just because it's like our newest. I think it sounds like us, like the us we've always kind of been working at. Sure. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's like what the next record sounded like, you know, or something very similar to it. I think that's like the most much the same, much the same as been. I don't know if that answered all that and that thing, but basically, yeah, just slowly fucking seeing how, you know, playing together, enjoying that, not putting pressure on ourselves. This is the recap um, <laughs> fucking, uh, you know, and just seeing that people cared. And people want to, you know, there were some folks out there that were excited when we were doing things. And that's extremely encouraging. And it makes Absolutely. you want to keep fighting because the show's the fun part, right? Yeah. That's the pain. 
Yeah. Fucking love playing shows. And I'm looking forward to doing that again. If you know, the Delta variant doesn't, you know, fuck shit up. Yeah. Hopefully not. And you heard it here first folks. We're going to get a new, much the same record. He just said it, which is rad. We intend to, to. (laughs) I'm going to hold you to it, dude. I'm years old when it comes out at the pace that we write, but like (laughs) it, it may happen. So better late than never, man. It all comes full circle. Did the guitarist, Dan, whom you mentioned, who I would agree is a great guitar player. And you can definitely tell in the record, the record sounds awesome too. I think people were just yearning for, you know, a good sounding double time record. We needed that. We definitely needed that. Not to talk over you. Nick did a great job. That's Nick Diener, dude. Like I I can tell you, we kick around the idea if we're going to go record again about like, well, who do you want to work with when you do? And I'm just saying, I'm just going to vote Nick. Like Nick knows us. And this is Nick from the Swellers and One Dieter Studios. He knows us personally, like as humans from years of like, you know, playing shows together and whatnot and just knows our band. And like, he just fucking nailed it. I told him like exactly what bass tone I was looking for. I was like, Hey, I want this record, this fucking tone. And I think it's like literally the first time I've gotten that. It was like, I played it and I was like, fuck yeah. He, somebody fucking finally did it. He did such a good job, such a good job. And it was so awesome to see him and just like eat food and drink coffee. And he's just a very, very nice person. Yeah. Those Diener brothers. Is it Diener or Diner? I don't want to mispronounce it. Diener. Yeah. They're Diener's. That's what I thought. Yeah. Great dudes. I actually had his brother on the podcast, one of the first guests who I really appreciate talking to. And yeah, man, those dudes rule. And the record sounds awesome. And Nick is a very talented producer, super talented. I, I told, wait, my, can you hear me? Uh huh. Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. I lost you in the camera. My dog knocked the phone over. <laughs> nice, man. That's awesome. That's actually a first for I, this podcast. Oh, wait. There you are. There you go. Okay. Sweet. All right. Just stuff it. Yeah, it's all so good. So if you man. have an iPhone doing this on Zoom and your dog knocks over your phone, it's just a left swipe to get back to the camera. Everybody, that's actually just, really good just, to know. Yeah, I know um, I'm gonna need that information at some point, so I appreciate that. <laughs> I was gonna ask you about guitarist Dan. He beat cancer, correct? Did that have anything to do with you guys getting together and writing music? You only live once. I mean, so you I, may I, as well go for it. I mean, I don't know what his motivations were. You know, I mean, obviously not dying. It's a big part of it. It's a motivator but, um, for sure. I think like it was a motivator. Like when he got, you know, when he was better, like, dude, I thought he was going to die. I'm sure he thought he was going to die. Like there was, it's not my business to share how it went, but like there were some very scary, not cool moments and just, you know, that's a disease. They always say like it, it takes, I'm not trying to co-opt his pain or like anything like that, but they say it takes a village man with that one. And like, just, it, yeah, mm-hmm. it fucks everybody up. That's around you. It's hard. And yeah, like when he got better, I mean, I remember being out with him, like when he was like fucking past surgery and clear and we were at a brewery and we were hanging out outside and I just started crying. I just hugged him and I'm getting like weird now. Cause I was just like, I'm so glad you're okay. Like, just, I can't, you know, like, oh, yeah, that was something. And writing with him again was a fucking blast, like an absolute fucking blast. And I'm sure it did help us, you know, get through it. And, it, you know, it spawned one of the songs on the record, which isn't like one of the punker songs. But a lot of that record is based around Dan's shit that he was going through at that time. I mean, he was going through a divorce. He had cancer. <laughs> it's not getting much more difficult than that and he wrote a very very honest album and i think he wrote great lyrics he did a good job of like just kind of being fairly straightforward and like not overly metaphorical and just he was i thought he was a wordsmith on it he if you like everything is fine dude that's his fucking record we all chimed in like every you know what i mean like we all write stuff there's you know there's four songwriters in our band but like he wrote that album when it's all said and done so, yeah, well, I mean, well, tell him I said good job because I listen to that record a lot. Yeah, it's we'll do. Fantastic we'll. record. Yeah, no, that's cool. And I think sometimes when something like that happens where you're being forced to face your own mortality, I don't want to speak for him either. I can't imagine what that's like going through that, but I try to imagine it sometimes in an effort to try to find that gratitude for what I do have. And I can imagine you wake up the day after you get the news that you are in remission or the chemotherapy is working. I can imagine that's a fairly gratitude filled moment, you know, and you think mm-hmm. to yourself, yeah, I want to put out a record before I pass. Mm-hmm. I, I want to do that. Why not? Let's do it. 
tomorrow. Let's get started right now. No time like the present. It just, it narrows your focus for a whole list of reasons, a whole litany of reasons. It reminds me of my own personal situation. Two weeks ago, I got back together with a member of Game Time and we recorded a new Game Time song. And it's like- Thanks, man. And I think much the same kind of inspired me a little bit. I really do because that record came out and then Scott Sellers banging on all cylinders, putting out tons of stuff. And I was such a huge fan of Rufio. And then bands like Chaser, bands like Winning Streak. There's just PMX. There's just so many different bands that are putting out records that are akin to you can very clearly hear the influence from the 90s era, the early 2000s, the fat records, the epitaph. Nitro Records. So it's just been exciting to explore the idea of creating for the sake of creating. Even if it's an expensive proposition, even if I'm going to be spending a little bit of money to do it, it's worth it because it's art for the sake of art. And it's cool because you said it's opened up a few doors for you guys. And there's been really cool opportunities that have been garnered because of it. You went to Europe and I watched that performance. It's really cool. You guys have a big, energetic, enthusiastic crowd, which is rad. And it was probably a lot of fun to play for those guys. Oh, it's, it's, it's the best, dude. I like yeah. when we played Gross Rock, I was like so taken aback by the crowd. Like, dude, I cried like a baby after that set. <laughs> so I like went backstage, like I like walked up just like <laughs> and um It's you know, emotional, and I, man. I, it's I, cathartic. Oh yeah. And not just like that show, but like other larger shows that we played where I just like, how the fuck are we doing this right now? We played in Brazil in Sao Paulo with face to face ignite, the full blast and the decline. And like the amount of fucking people there that were just going nuts. It's just like, it, what, it, never, never in a million years. But I'd be like, dude, this is happening right now. This is fucking amazing. That's what I said. I can't wait to play a show. That's what I want to do. Like, I mean, yeah, writing would be dope. But to me, like, oh, dude, playing a show is, that's, like I said, that's the payoff. That's catharsis. You get to see people that fucking dig what you're doing and get happy about it. You know, I still get that way when I see the bands I like. I might not be like up in the crowd and shit. I'm dude in the back with arms <laughs> crossed, but don't make no mistake. I'm feeling Yeah, I'm but, the same. More of an observer these days, for sure. A hundred percent. I actually think about like what it was like to be in mosh pits and like how disgusting that is now thinking about the amount of human sweat that was just on me and how, <laughs> but you didn't care. I mean, you did not care. And being in high school and going to bed like without showers, who gives a fuck? But uh, yeah, it dude. was, or, or maybe that was just me. Maybe some of you were just like, God, Frank, you're gross. Um, oh, no, but, no, no, no. I think we all were there. Yeah. Yeah. But any show, every show, like local shows, big shows, small shows, like, yeah, I was all about that pit. And it's like funny when you're on stage, you're like, all right, everybody run in a circle. And it's like, I'm being fucking hypocrite right now because if I was you, I'd be like, that's cool, man. I'm going to stand right here. <laughs> but you're doing great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just going to watch. The bedlam. Yeah. And now you can do it from the stage too. So that's okay. You got an excuse not oh, to get oh, yeah. in there. Yeah. And um, you're in Chicago. Is that right? I, I'm not in Chicago like proper. I'm in the burbs outside, which it's is like, like Johnny. Into, like, what's up? Like Johnny, right? Johnny's. No, south. Johnny's like in John, Johnny's like in Chicago though. He's in like a smaller neighborhood in Chicago, but like make no mistake. He lives in Chicago. Okay. I live in the suburbs. And I mean, I've always, I mean, like you always just say like you're from Chicago because I mean, if I go like, Hey man, I'm from like Crestwood, Illinois. Like people are like, what? Like Chicago, I'm from Chicago. Like, <laughs> like Oh yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, it, that just puts a, a period at, you know, where the comma is. But like, if you live in the area, I'm in like, everything is 20 minutes away. Like if there's like no traffic, like I'm in the city in like 20 minutes and I've That's lived right. in Chicago. I've lived on the North side. I lived not far from, actually it's just a couple blocks from the fireside bowl when that was around. Yeah. Uh, but I, oh. I didn't live there when there were shows, it was post. So that okay. kind of is a bummer, but it was nice to kind of like, I would take the train that was right over there to UIC where I was going to school and like, I got to like walk by that every day and I kind of be like, Hey, say, hey, fireside bowl. I'm like, give my tip of the cap. A lot of good memories. Yeah. I'm right in the burbs. It's cool. Like I I've always wanted to maybe get back to the city, but like also like city's fucking busy and loud. And I always, I always was like, I never fashioned myself a suburb guy, even though I'm, I'm like from here, but now yeah, I'm about it. It's It's part of that routine, man. It's part of that boringness, which is a good thing too. It is a little bit more quiet in the suburbs for sure. But like when I want to go out, like, like I go, I love going to the city. Like yeah. I love going there. It's like with somebody, when you have somebody else's kid that you can give back, you know, yes. like I can go to the city and then I can like leave. It's like, I'm giving the, you know, <laughs> back. Um, and, and that's place to I, visit. 
yes. And I come home and it's great. But I mean, it's a great town. I love to eat. And of course, you're biased to your own home place. But I mean, there's not many better places to eat than Chicago. You're um, not wrong, man. There's a lot of great food in Chicago. Oh, and and I mean, I've I missed it because I've recently uh, sorry, if this is going off the music path. I've recently like given up a lot of meat. I'm not a vegetarian, but like I don't really eat meat anymore all that much. I basically eat chicken wings because I just can't quit. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I love fucking wings. And I, I eat fish here and there. And okay. I love because I've also said, I'm like, what else am I going to eat if I go to New Orleans? Like, yes. I can't. And I, and I love that I place. Too, so, so, but like not eating Italian beefs and shit like that these days, it's just like, ah, it's yeah. so hard. Why'd so you stop? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, I, I, it was kind of during quarantine, man. It was like, I, I'd always like, dabbled in it and always failed and but that was also because i also tried to go like all in and Mm -hmm. it was just kind of like well i'm gonna give up cows and pigs or eat them minimally um Mm -hmm. and i'll just eat like chicken and fish and i was still eating a fair amount of chicken and fish and then i just kind of did it in steps over quarantine i had the number one thing was i had time everybody had time right and that kept me busy because like i said i tried to do this in my 20s and i was just buying morning star you know, microwave shit. And I'm like, well, this stuff sucks and it's expensive. So I would just always go back to meat. And I've, I always fashioned myself like a foodie too. So it was, and, and being in the restaurant industry and breweries, it was, you know, food's a huge deal. You know, you want to taste things, R and D things, but I just, my compassion for animals is just growing and it's growing and it's growing. And I just kind of wanted to reduce what I was doing. So again, back over quarantine, I had time to kind of like research a little more and fuck with recipes a little more proper and like make meals that uh were just to me they were delicious i don't know nobody else got to eat them because i was isolated because <laughs> it was quarantined yeah, but sure. um, but I, I find that i eat way more variety now like food used to just be protein and a veggie you know and i would do varying things of that protein and varying things of those veggies but now like i find myself on the there's a lot more variety in my diet as far as like what I, what I consume. And I eat a lot of like Indian and Asian food, which are like two of my fucking favorite things. So it wasn't too bad a move. Uh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's great. Yeah. I was vegetarian for a year and a half. It was mm-hmm. a bit of an experiment that lasted a long time. And yeah, it definitely takes a little bit of intention, some work, you know, especially when you're in a place where meat is so ubiquitous and it's everywhere. But I did find that I think it expanded my palate a little bit eating, like you said, more variety, more food. And unfortunately, I mean, for better or worse, I gravitated back to eating meat, but I'm in the same boat as you. I tend to eat more fish, shrimp, and chicken. We had lean ground beef tonight, so I'll have beef occasionally, but we still do meatless Mondays sometimes. We'll go vegetarian for a couple days out of the week sometimes if we're really in that zone. I think the most difficult thing when it comes to working with vegetarians or vegans is just getting enough protein, getting different sources of protein. Yeah. I don't know if I'm, I know I feel all right. Um, yeah. And I, you clearly have muscle on your frame. You clearly have lean tissue on your frame. So you're not like, you're not wasting away all your muscle. I think that's a bit of a, well, a, a well, myth. You, you're, 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 <laughs> of course, man. Oh, you, uh, uh, you look good. Anyways, thanks, uh, the, the, but, I think the myth is that if you don't eat you know, tons of meat, you're going to just lose all your muscle, which is hogwash. I mean, it's not true. Yeah. I, I haven't, what's funny. So I, I don't, like I said, 10 years ago, I was like, very like, this is how much we eat. This is what we're going to take in. We need this much and this much and macro and blah, blah, blah. And I don't really do that anymore. And it's kind of funny because I don't, I, I, I agree with you that it is a myth where people are like, ah, you know, well, like you're just not going to get your proteins, but I haven't, I've leaned up. Definitely. I've lost weight. I would say I'm down nine ish pounds from like what I was eating meat and lifting. Okay. Um, but I feel good. Like it feels like yeah. that was a good nine pounds loss. And I feel like leaner and like lighter. Yeah. Um, I haven't figured out, like, I don't know. I haven't had any blood work in a minute. So it's like, I don't know, like if I'm getting enough of what, but I've tried to, I went in like phases. I had like, it was like, okay, first I like just fucked with like beyond products and none mm-hmm. of this is good to do. I actually, I listened to your podcast with Peter and you know, you guys talking about mm-hmm. this, like you don't want to oversaturate on one thing, but I kind of glad I did. Cause I did like, I'm going to fuck with only beyond products for a minute. And I didn't just make them. I break them up and season them and make my own little things with them. And then after that, I entered what I called the bean phase. And I was like only cooking with beans. And then after beans, I messed with tofu and tempeh. And after I got like some core meals down that were like healthier, nutritious, then I got back to more just like straight whole foods. I don't eat 
I only eat like, you know, tofu or like beyond meats, like a couple times a week. Uh, for the most part, I eat, I eat a lot of chickpeas, a lot of chickpeas, lentils, black beans. Um, so that, I mean, that's good for protein, obviously eggs. I still, I mean, I'm not vegan. So every morning I have eggs, I'm fucking sick of eggs, Kyle, by the way, I've been eating them like every day for like 10 years, but it's a good source to give me what I need. And if I feel like if I cut them out, like. I mean, I guess I could do like the mung bean stuff, but I'm not there yet. Yeah, that's fair. I'm not a huge fan of that stuff either. And you can go in phases with eggs. I go in phases with eggs. We do Morningstar sometimes. We'll do patties or the Beyond Burgers. Mm-hmm. We do those quite a bit. And I like that those are an option. I think I mentioned it with Peter too. In the grand scheme of a broad, healthy diet, I think if you have the Morningstar a couple times, few times per week, that's completely I think healthy and fine and good and chickpeas are amazing legumes, beans. Those are all great sources of protein and things like that and good for digestion and all that. So it's like earlier, we were talking about flexibility. Most of the time I'm trying to get people to adopt a flexible approach so that it's sustainable because sustainable is the best thing. If we can do it for long-term, if it doesn't feel like we're dieting or if it doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like we're exercising this rigid protocol that nobody could possibly follow more than a couple days at most, or maybe a couple weeks, if you've got really strong willpower or something, if we can adopt a flexible approach where you're enjoying the things you're eating, there's a little bit of convenience food thrown in occasionally. Once a week, we'll eat Chipotle and we do the lower calorie version. I'll still get rice. I'll do light rice, double chicken. So I'm getting lots of protein. Sometimes I'll sub it for their Sofritas vegetarian option. And that's completely fine. I don't really see any issue with that unless somebody just has a really strong aversion to getting processed anything or ordering out at all. And I think that's pretty extreme. I think most people aren't going to be able to follow that type of a eating protocol. Well, you got to be kind to yourself too, or like we talked about, you're going to fail, you know, yeah. my meal, like my cheat meals, like yours sounds like very like great. I'm disgusting. Okay. Like I, <laughs> like I, 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 again, restaurant industry, like I get off pretty late and I work far from home. I have like a 40 minute commute to my job, but I love where I work. So it's like totally worth it. So I'm, but on the way home, there's a Taco Bell and this weekend, I'm just going to break it down for you. I got, this is one city. Yes. I got the, the cheese quesadilla. They have like a black bean burrito now with French fries. I guess you call that like a California burrito, but they don't call it that. But I got one of those, a quesarito, three of those spicy potato tacos that are the Lord's work and a black <laughs> bean crunch wrap. And just, I will sit and gorge. And I don't think that's healthy that I do that. Obviously. <laughs> like that's my way of like doing that. Like once, twice a week. I, I mean, yes. that amount is usually, you know, once, and then like maybe something else is like a ah, meal tops. But I, you know, I just, I think that also people just have to understand, like, look, are you getting results? Do you still have results? All right. Like, not that you have to get on a scale every day, but like, do you still feel good about what you see? Great, man. Go have a fucking hamburger. Like, yes. You know, I, I, I saw your post on the 4th of July and it was like, I was like, hell yeah, man, where you're like, hey, man, don't beat yourself up over your weekend. Don't go on a fucking cleanse. Don't go nuts. And you know what I did? I had another burger that day because I was like, hell yeah, fuck it. Like, I'm going to keep, I had a. I gave you permission. Yes. I had like, (laughs) I made myself like a Beyond Big Mac. Mm -hmm. I've recently rediscovered the loveliness and meltiness of American cheese. I've ignored it for too long. And uh, like, God, on a hamburger, it's just so good. And like, I, I had like, dude, I think I had like, somewhere between three and five burgers and like two beyond brats. Like, yeah, it was great. That's awesome, man. I appreciate you reading my fitness inspired dude, posts you, on you Facebook. You just seem like a good, a good dude. You know what I mean? And <laughs> Thanks, like, man. You know, uh, I can tell that you're a very well-intentioned person and you like helping people and, you know, so. I appreciate yeah. it, man. Thank you for the kind words. Yeah, same to you. That's another reason why I wanted to have you on because I knew we had a lot in common. And that Taco Bell feast, that just sounds like a celebration. I mean, <laughs> if, thinking about it now, I remember I used to live in a house with a couple other dudes before my partner that I'm with now, we live together. And there was times where we would trek to Taco Bell and spend 25 to $30 and just really mm-hmm. go ham on some Taco Bell. And then we take it back. I lived in the basement, which was great because it was cold and temperature controlled. And we'd sit on the floor and just watch TV and just eat everything that we purchased as quickly as humanly possible. And, you know, honestly, Taco Bell is not that bad. Like it could be worse, could be worse for oh, sure. 100%. And I love that they have a lot of vegetarian options too, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that's, I, I patronize that menu for that purpose. Like the vegetarian stuff there is great. Like I guess I just got to say, like, if you're a vegetarian and you don't like beans, it's got to be fucking rough. 
because I mean, that's such a, like a nutritional part of it, but there's so many delicious foods that are being based like that. Like I love their stuff. And I've always like, you know, I've always just dug a veggie burrito, even before, like when I was eating meat a lot, like a veggie burrito just always feels a little lighter, a little better. I love rice. So like anything, any burritos that have like Spanish rice in them. And that's kind of like the bones of it is uh, always good with me. Damn. Yeah. Good stuff, so. man. Filling for sure. And rice is good because it's got a little bit of protein in it. So uh, I, yeah, I, I eat like quinoa blends of grains and brown rice and stuff like dude, they got like Costco's got like fucking I eat a lot of the instant just brown quinoa mix they got and it's just yes. like perfect yes we do those fries. a lot too from Costco specifically we do those a lot too we'll yeah. have that as a side a lot of times with a piece of protein and some veg or side salad or something but those are staples in this house we're mm-hmm. consuming that stuff a lot and there's a sprouts right down the street which is kind of like a Whole Foods a smaller grocer Whole Foods type place and they have the same thing they have the microwavable blends of quinoa and brown rice and stuff and those have a little bit more protein so you're sneaking a little bit more protein into mm-hmm. your diet yeah listen to us a couple of lifters <laughs> talking about protein <laughs> no it's fun i mean and this is cool oh, like, I, don't, I don't talk about this stuff very often you know like i don't really um discuss these things with people like i I don't know. I just kind of like, I'm very, uh, you know, I don't talk about, I'm not, I'm not the person that shows up to work and it's like, I got back from the gym to chest him back, you know, like, yeah. and there's nothing wrong with people that do that, but I'm sure. just not that guy. You know what I mean? So like, I kind of don't yeah. talk about it very often. I post that I'm at the gym, but my posts at the gym are just because my gym is fucking ridiculous. It is a shit show of humans in that place. <laughs> like they had to put up a sign that said that you have to wear your shirt and no smoking recently. So I was just like, <laughs> Jesus oh fucking gosh. Christ. Like what the fuck is going on in this place? It's just, and that's another reason why eh, I like working out alone. And I like to make sure I have my headphones for sure. Um, yeah. That's so, yeah. that sounds appropriate <laughs> for sure. That sounds like a good time. I would definitely go to that gym. Just keep watching alone. <laughs> yeah, just don't smoke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, dude, this has been fun, man. I want to be respectful yeah. of your time on this Tuesday night. You got to work tomorrow. I do. I work. I do work a lot, you know, and I mean, partially I work cause I'm just fucking bored. It's, you know, I think, that's like something that happened with quarantine. I think with people in good and bad ways is I've always been around people. I've always been a very, like, I like being around, around folks and Gavin and uh, I got used to being by myself and maybe even a little too much, um, <laughs> you know, cause it's like, I got to like force myself now to like, dude, you don't have to sit on the fucking couch. Like go do something, have an experience, go for a fucking hike. And then I don't, but yeah, this has been great to gab because yeah, I just kind of, yeah. I'm a except boring guy and I just chill. Well, I think a lot of people have experienced that, what you're just saying about quarantining. I think we all became a little bit more introverted just out of necessity. We had to be. And mm-hmm. there was a period of time, I'm sure it was the same for you, where that lockdown period where I don't think I drove for 10 weeks. I didn't get my car for 10 weeks. It was so long before I drove my car again that the wheels were starting to rust the wheel. Yeah. And I find myself having similar thought processes where I'm thinking, no, 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 no. There's a great band coming to play. Let's go to the show. I know I haven't been to a show in a year and a half, but let's go. Let's go experience live music because they may never come back. And who knows if there's going to be another lockdown or God knows what another pandemic. So I definitely feel you there. And I have to remind myself, hey, it's good to get out of your house every once Mm -hmm. in a while. Yeah. Are you guys going to play some shows? You think? So there's nothing booked for this year, but we are going to do, I believe it's called Manfest or Manchester Fest out in England in April. Um, I'm so terrible at this. I don't know the exact dates. I'm very bad at this, but I'm excited because like Go Home Screen will be there. Belvedere will be there. I don't know that it's like a couple day thing. So it'll be a real bummer if like we don't get to see each other, but I think we'll do that potentially a couple days after that. And then I think it's June, we go to, it's called Red Bridge Fest in Montreal, like Quebec, which I'm beyond excited about. That's like my favorite fucking area. Like we, we did this thing called uh, Music for Cancer out there. And like, it was easily my favorite festival. And we made such good, it was the best crew I've ever like stagehands and like roadies and like stagehands. Like, like they were just fucking all awesome people we all went out like and, and, and drank together after the shows and they were extremely social and like i loved them all so like i think some of those folks are gonna be there and like that's like what i'm most excited about is to see them because they were just cool phenomenal people and then yeah we we want to do something i know we've submitted ourselves for a couple shows coming up around chicago but like you know in all honesty man we just don't have like that big of a draw in the states you know so you know if we play a show it's just kind of like hey, let's 
10 people here. That's great. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and so I know we're trying to get on some, uh, like opening acts coming through. So we'll see. I would love to, I want to, my other band, we of course want to do some stuff too. I think that is more likely to happen before much the same, just cause we all live in a closer proximity to each other. I mean, Jevons in fucking California for much the same. That always throws a nice little wrench in the gears because we always got a way getting him out here. And how's that going to go? Sure. So, and what's the other band called? We're called Burn Rebuild. It's myself, friend of mine named Kyle, and like these two dudes that like I've kind of known since like high school, junior high-ish, named Andy and Brian. That's like my, you know, three chord, like alkaline trio-y, teenage bottle rocket, kind of just like awesome. more simple punk band i sing in that one because no one else wanted to but it's fun like it's cool it's, it's a lot of it's, it's a really fun band for me to play and just do something else and like it gives me another avenue to write like the simple songs i want so yeah yeah that's cool yeah. man i've really dug into alkaline trio this is bad to say host of a podcast for dedicated to pop punk and stuff but alkaline trio was a band that i think i discovered them during crimson mm-hmm. and I, I always enjoyed their music I think the first time I heard them officially, I saw them with Saves the Day back in 2000 or something. Or We're face to face on that show? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, Newfound yeah. Glory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, I was, was at the Unreal Chicago tour. show for that. Legendary. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, but I didn't latch onto their earlier stuff. And now I'm going back retrospectively, listening to all of their earlier records. And I'm just obsessed with that. I understand mm-hmm. the obsession between Alkaline Trio now and people. That makes perfect sense to me now. So I'm going to check out that band. Burn Rebuild. Yeah, that thank sounds- you. Uh, yeah, we got two EPs. We did the second one, which is called For the Last Time. I think that's the like superior one. We kind of pulled it together a little more. Yeah, we did that one with Nick Diener too. Like, oh, cool. That's kind of why I wanted to do much the same out with Nick because I had such a good experience yeah. recording that EP with Nick. So Yeah. Well, do you guys do more music with him? I will be stoked to hear it because I feel like everything he touches, I enjoy. I'm just a fan of his sonic abilities and your record still sounds amazing. And Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, I think, a new modern skate punk classic. I'm going to call it that, if you don't mind. Thank that. you very much. Dude. <laughs> I'm so happy with it. Like, I really Of course, do. man. Yeah, yeah. And I think everybody should check it out if people haven't heard it yet. And definitely revisit your old records, too, because your old records are killer, too. I revisited Quitters when we, like, remastered it. Like, I hadn't listened to it in forever. And I'm like, there's some jams on here. Like, I, yeah, we never dude. played One of a Kind live, and I'd really like to bring that one back. I think that might be my favorite song on that record. That song is incredible. Yeah, I, I think that's a good one. We just stopped playing it live for some reason. I don't know why, but like I, oh, every okay. time that one comes on, I'm like, dude, I'm like, that's a decent jam. Yeah, so. it pops up. My algorithm on Spotify likes it because it pops up quite a bit. That one in particular. That's awesome. It's, I love the chorus on that song. So good, man. Same, same. Well, dude, this has been fun. Thanks for indulging me on all things nutrition and fitness. I appreciate it. And yeah, uh, I don't know if I for, mentioned uh, it, but I like your social media presence as well. Your posts <laughs> make me laugh. You. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I, uh, you know, I fashion myself the comedian, I suppose, and a lot of waka waka on there. But it's no, thank good. you. We need it. Been great. I am. Um, I'm always extremely happy to talk with good people, and uh, this was this was a gas. Awesome, man. We'll we'll do it again for sure. You guys, well, yeah, you put new stuff. And, uh, you know, chat about it. Stay in touch outside of this BS, you know. Absolutely, for sure. No, 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 no. You're totally, we will. And if you guys find your way on a tour or making it down to Lawrence or KC, we'll definitely hang out. All right. Absolutely, dude. You have yourself a very, very good night and uh, kiss your new puppy. You too, man. I will. All right. All right. Have a good one, dude. Bye. See ya. But you did nothing for love and you never chose your sons. You said you're scared you won't see me in heaven. But I don't see you now anyway. You said I've got it. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. I hope you had a good time. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to help the podcast out, if you want to do a massive solid for us here at Having a Blast, if you could just leave us a review, a five-star review would be amazing wherever you listen to podcasts. Or if you just want to recommend this podcast to a friend who might enjoy it. All right. Hope you have a wonderful day. Hope you're having a blast listening to your favorite records. I'll talk to you later. Oh,